Hello and welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy. You know the drill. Blah, 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 blah. A podcast where blah, 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 we save your life. Blah, blah, blah. Help you redefine your sexuality. Blah, blah, blah. Change the world. Blah, blah, blah. But you all know that. You know that you're here because you want to change your life and subsequently the world. We know that. So let's get to it. Today's episode is really quite cool because we have a woman that I greatly respect. Her name is Yun Ah. I always get her name wrong and I apologize in advance for that. I think I even just said it wrong right now. And she is a very dynamic person in general and she's a great speaker and she is so enamored by the topic of what is real sex and how does that compare to the Hollywood sex that is portrayed? And that's exactly what we're going to get into in this episode because she really paints a not only beautiful picture but an approachable picture for the type of sex that we should be striving for in our life that would cause us to not want to settle for anything less because it's just so perfect and wonderful and welcoming and not that hard to achieve so long as our priorities are in the right place. So, you know really spells out what does it look like to have Hollywood sex versus real, healthy, beautiful, wonderful, connected sex. And we go into the weeds with this one. It's a really productive and amazing conversation. And I welcome you to enjoy this podcast episode with us now. All right, welcome back, everybody, to another day here on planet Earth. And uh, love, life, and legacy. We have a lot of episodes with just Sammy and me, blah, blah, blahing, sharing our hearts and our thoughts. Um, but every once in a while, we're graced with people that we're really inspired by. And we do a lot of due diligence to make sure that we curate the best possible guests. And this one is very special because she's worked with us a bunch and she supported us back when she was in Europe. She she went out on a limb and supported a ragtag team of crazies <laughs> who wanted to come <laughs> to Europe and talk about sex with Europeans. Uh, where a lot of people thought, no, that'll never work. Americans talking to Europeans about sex? No way. <laughs> but she was kind of our bridge because she was like our, our covert agent, an American in Europe. She could be a cultural translator. But more than that, she's extremely passionate about the topic of sexual integrity. And incidentally, she's got an amazing uh, Instagram page where she helps people stay organized. And when she made a video for High Noon, it was how to keep your mind organized, which is which is really cool. So um, before I introduce her, I'm going to ask her a question because there's a hot debate a hot raging debate about the pronunciation of her first oh, name. Yeah. And uh it it got into like an intense debate on a meeting of ours once because I said it was Yuna, and then Sammy said, No, Benji says it's Yona. And then I was like, No, because I've been calling her Yuna for all this time and she's never corrected me. And she's not Canadian. Canadians would just let you mispronounce their names all day, but Americans say, <laughs> nobody, listen up, this is my name. So I would love, I'm, I, this is my kind of preamble introduction, but I'm going to let you say your own name loud and proud so that on the record, it can be said, it can be stated. What is your right. official name? Okay, here we go. Here we go. It's Yana. 
Oh, I'm totally wrong. Wow. Oh, it's not easy. It's not Yona. It's not yeah. It's hard though. I kind of I'm Canadian. I've let it slide because my <laughs> parents it was gonna be Yuna. It was a given name, and then my parents changed the U to like a short U sound. Yun, like fun or run. But ah. um they just totally did that on their own. But it's made it confusing. And in Europe it's easier Yuna in a lot of languages, so but Yana, Yan like fun. So yeah. a soft, soft Yana, and and because you accept other pronunciations, just based on the fact that you're probably sick and tired of correcting, it's re-explaining it. Yeah, <laughs> got it. Well, thank you for joining us. It's nighttime, and you're in New Jersey, right? Yep, New Jersey. Sweet. And you're a recent import. You're you're in Europe, in Norway, and now you're in New Jersey. Yeah. But you were born and raised where? Uh, born actually in New York, but mostly raised in Maryland, D.C. area. I lived a lot of places, so around the world. <laughs> Third culture kid, as they say. And you, I mean, is it weird for your family? Because the, when I met your kids, and especially your husband, they're super European and Scandinavian nonetheless. And so New Jersey is a far cry from kind of the, the peaceful state. Yeah, but you know what? It's kind of funny because right now we're in this unusual situation where we're at home. Ah. <laughs> so my husband, Alexander, asked Kevin, my youngest son, you know, what's your favorite? How do you like America? He's like, I like it. What's your favorite thing? We're always home. <laughs> so, we just think it's America for now. I've really got a taste. And the same with, you know, driving. Everything, it's just less people. It's not the compact New Jersey. So it's a little bit of a buffer <laughs> transition yeah, experience. Just for reference, this is we are still in the midst of the pandemic here. Yes. Uh, around the world on planet Earth. And you might be listening to this in 2023. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, Yuna transferred for a job from Europe to uh, New Jersey. The job is in New York, but right at a time when basically the economy is shut down. So you got in, you got in just in time. I mean, that job wouldn't have been on the table if, if this happened like a month earlier or two months earlier, right? Yeah. You squeaked in there for better or for worse. You got in there just in the nick of time. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty fascinating, but I'm glad to be here. I really did miss the U.S. living here. So I'm happy for this adventure for our family. So the first time I saw you, I have to say, uh, in Europe, outside of your element, I met you in in, in America, but then first time I saw you in Europe, you were speaking in front of a, a group of young leaders about sex and and about marriage um and you were you turned up the american level to like 12 you know <laughs> and you were like rah rah and i loved it like i was i was i was looking around and some of them were really into it but some of them were so alarmed because they're not used to be like to be spoken at like that <laughs> yeah and too fast people keep saying i i couldn't understand it was too fast to get excited <laughs> In English is not the first language. But you were so into it. And you, what you were talking about was the Hollywood version of what sex is versus the reality of, of sex versus even contrasting what sex could be in, in a heavenly culture, right? Yeah. And I'd love 
talk about those three things, like the what is presented by Holly, Hollywood, what most people experience, and then what what could be what what is like the best version of sex that people don't have access to because they don't hear people talking about it. I'd love to get into that in this episode with you because I was really enthralled by it, and you seem to have put a lot of thought into it. Um, yeah. But what I wanted to know, like, what what got you so passionate? about this topic? Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, I think the place to start, and I have to refer to like the unificationist tradition, but there's this term called um, absolute sex. I don't know okay. if that's been talked about in another podcast from the founder. We definitely translated it because okay. it's like the weirdest term. It is. People are like, yeah, absolute sex. Yeah, I'm absolutely about absolute. And it's, it's very easy to miscontextualize. Right. And that that's kind of what it was like. What does that mean? Because that term was being used a lot. And so for me, that was something that I always was kind of personally researching or trying to understand more. So it's just something where I would read about it in different of uh, like different texts and from, you know, references from uh, Reverend Moon, who would use the term. And uh, and then I also would, was speaking like earlier before before I was married with other, um, like uh, I remember particularly one person, she was a couple years older than me and I think they had a baby. And she just made this comment one time about the difference of like sex with God and sex without God, like this sort of heavenly concept. And to me, that really struck me like, okay, what, what does that mean? And this was before I was even in any relationship, but I was like, I don't want to know. Obviously there's a difference and it's way better, but also like, what does that mean really? And um, so that's just been my own like curiosity from there. But what really sparked this, to, this sort of sense of comparing it all with Hollywood and, you know, just grasping that actually our concepts, even within, you know, marriages and people who have lived a life of purity, saving themselves to marriage. And as a couple, still, I think that God's original intention for sex, and that's why I like to call it original sex, I guess, instead of absolute sex or heavenly sexuality. We have different terms, right? But kind of what's God's real hope for it? Because God's the designer, you know, God designed everything of this creator, our, our bodies and sex is so key for everything, love, life, lineage. And so it's, you know, a super area that's also, I think because of that, because it's sort of like the very beginning, it got, (laughs) there's this confusion from early on. So this concept really, to me, I find it fascinating that we don't even fully know. And I like to do like, when I, those talks you were referencing when I talk about it, uh, I started doing like a pie chart of this idea that like the fullness of the sexual experience that it was originally sort of hoped for by God and what Hollywood shows is just a small portion and what people experience in like, you know, a long-term relationship and marriage committed together as a couple is a chunk of that, but there's still so much more that we don't know from our own concepts and things because of what we've grown up with and our own experiences. So this, yeah. So I'm excited. You want to talk about that. (laughs) Uh, And I try to explain this. I feel like it's a thing and I really appreciate what you're doing in the podcast that it's, I think there's so much to learn from all of us, each other and what we experience. So 
kind of it's a lot of gathering of my own experiences and supporting couples. But what really sparked me to go deeper into this was a conversation I had with some, I think they were like youth leaders uh, for high schoolers. And it was at a workshop, like a kind of a marriage preparation workshop that we were doing. Okay. And they asked the question about, you know, in a, in a loving relationship in a marriage, you know, there are several questions they asked, but like, is it okay to watch porn as a couple and certain things they're saying, like, as you decide and some reason, something in me just really like, and the reason they brought it up was they said, you know, we don't even know where else to ask this question. And these are questions we're getting from our high school students that we're taking care of supporting. And we don't know how to answer, like what would be God's viewpoint on this. And so I was like, man, we got to start talking about this more. And that's where I spent a lot of time researching and really getting into how can I share about that? And I've always been someone who's more, I didn't imagine myself to be up like you described on the stage, passionately talking about sex in front of all these young people. But like the more that I got into this idea, like we don't know, um, we have no idea fully like what God's vision for it is. And we got to just start talking about it more and together and, provide a stronger voice behind that what's out there because just so superficial and so shallow and external focus it's part of it but it's missing a whole lot and I feel like the world and Hollywood so many times it's so like sex obsessed right but still they're like it's just missing so much of the depth behind it no I I love this and I I just want to dig a little bit deeper yeah Um, just because I think you've ruminated on it a lot and it means a lot to you. And I want to try to translate it as bare essentials as possible so that um, people can understand mm-hmm. like, like we're, we're so blind to the potentiality of sex because we think we know what it is, but we're so misinformed that we actually don't even know on a very base level, what sex is, I, in my yeah. opinion, just based off of what we're spoon fed from a very early age. And to start to see and understand and experience something else is like, it's, it's almost shocking mm. uh, to, to, to see like, how have we been so far off? Right. So I, I would love for you to, okay. What, what, what in particular is, is presented by Hollywood in terms of sex that you feel is, is totally off base. That is a total kind of lie. Yeah. Well, I'll start with the first one. Cause it really irks me. Like I feel like Hollywood TV shows, there's so many references. Um, sure. it's that one and your high noon is addressing this with pornography, but a lot of times I remember this also as a couple that that was both pornography and masturbation were encouraged as like ways to discover your, um, what you like and ways to please each other. And sure. it always, it bothered me. Cause I was like, that doesn't really make sense. And so this, uh, that was the first one that I started thinking, okay, what's the original vision there? And I, I came up with this, I use this talk phrase a lot, but like creativity over comparison, like the sense that, you know, you're not, you don't need to get more excitement and ideas from watching other couples, pornography, but actually this idea that the excitement comes from creating something together, focusing on your couple and discovering 
also what your partner likes. And that's the same with the masturbation. That masturbation idea is finding what you like so you can tell your partner. But actually, it's more the idea of how you can, um, your partner can discover that. And this idea that sex is first and foremost supposed to be a way of learning how to live for the sake of each other. And that's what got so twisted where it's like, it's so often like, I know my needs and you're not meeting my needs instead of how can I discover your needs and make that exciting and you discover my needs and not this sense of like, I feel like my needs are not being met because that's usually the, the underlying a lot of times focus. And okay, how do we make it more exciting? Well, we got to look at this other couple that has it together, these false images or, you know, all these things, but it's not actually focused on really loving the other person. And that's where the excitement comes and the creativity and, and no need to compare or wonder what you, you know, what other couples are like or what you're supposed to be like. Cause I feel like Hollywood is so much sometimes a, a show in a way of these sort of just fantasy idea of images or what something's supposed to be like. And even I feel like that really affects a lot of couples early on. Cause like depending on the couple, if they were uh, waiting a lot of tradition that was my experience you know I I waited until to have sex I say like abstinence before marriage and so of course in the beginning you're figuring it out you know <laughs> and I think Sammy talks about this a lot of different but um and to enjoy that instead of feeling all this pressure and expectations like I feel like Hollywood even the way they design people's like first night or all these things they show it's so um focus on a sense of like showing off or externally. Uh, I don't know if you get what I mean, but like, it's more about showing off than it is about really, or feeling good about yourself than it is about really making the other person feel good. And that's yeah, kind of yeah. the root of a lot of the other areas you could compare. But um, that's when I started really thinking, okay, no, this is, what would be, what's the original way of discovering how to make each other happy and the excitement. And, you know, this idea that you, this other idea, which I think um, Uncle Dave and Mitzier, they talk about this a lot. Uncle Mitzier, they like, as you get older, it just gets better and better. You know, that's another concept uh, that married couples or that they, you know, they wear as you get older the sex becomes worse or after you're married but no how does that excitement keep growing and getting better and better and that's really from knowing that you can give there's always like you can always give you can always find out more and discover more about a person that's how we should be you know in our relationships not assuming that we know this person so well or that we get into you know sexually we know each other this is what we do and losing that sense of excitement because it's focused on uh when we get focused on ourselves, you know, instead of finding creative ways, creativity really comes from giving and looking for ways to give to another person. That's where a lot of, it's one of my favorite quotes about art too. I think it's like Van Gogh. He said, he discovered that the most creative thing is loving others. Mm. And I thought so interesting because I feel like that applies in so many ways, the gifts, the things that we come up with, it's out of that love for someone else. And same with sex. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds to me like you're touching on kind of entitlement and ownership because that's like, 
That's a concept that we try to explain as at, at, at high noon, and it really is confronting for mm. many people because when you like the idea of oh, I own my my genitals, I own my sexual reproductive organs, I it's mine, and so therefore I can do whatever I want. That's the clear expressed viewpoint of society at present, right? Mm-hmm. It's like this is mine, yeah. I can do whatever I want with it. Shut up and leave me alone. Yeah. Whereas, and that just, that, that bleeds into relationship because I mean, I get reports all the time. I'm, I help a lot of young men and Mm. they, they really, it's so hard for them to adopt the idea that sex is for the other person because whenever that person is away for a day or two, then they just, you know, start watching porn again or start masturbating. And it's like, it's, it's really hard to disconnect from that there's such a strong current towards yeah. um, independence, right? Yeah. Um, because I guess there might've been a need, perhaps. If you look at like history, just like in Divine Principle, it talks about origin, division, union. Mm-hmm. Now, now's a good time that, okay, people have exercised their independence. Great. But we're also experiencing massive amounts of isolation in society. And probably a huge reason is because we don't know how to stop being so independent, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's another concept from Stephen Covey that's, that I really like, which is like you need to go through total dependence in life, dependence yeah. to independence to interdependence. And that interdependence is like, that is the hardest part, which is to know that you could be fine by yourself, but to choose to give the best of yourself to another person. It's a choice at that level. Mm-hmm. It's a choice. You're not dependent on them, but you choose to give yourself to them. That's like a sense of maturity. It is. And I also, the thing, you know, going even in more depth, cause I was thinking about that too, this awareness, but actually also the most pleasure in sex is actually it's like double when you really are, more caring about the joy of the other person than yourself. So that's mm-hmm. why I also thought like when we talk about what we don't really understand, cause we get so caught up in that sense of ownership and that confusion around my needs and the independence, like you said, and mm-hmm. actually the interdependence brings even more happiness when you are able to, but it's hard to do cause you have to be vulnerable and all those things. But if you really care more about the joy of another person that that brings you actually joy. I always use this analogy. Like it's like pleasure when you're just focused on each of your own joy. It's like one plus one equals two. So it's both people are happy, but when pleasure, when both people are focused on equally get as excited and happy, enjoy it, seeing the other person's joy is like, you know, double that like two plus two is four, you know? And it's just that concept around, um, it's actually the way to experience more happiness too. It's not even like knowing, but you know, it's just like you said, how to break, break our concepts around this. And I like to use that analogy of like, this is how I see it. Like the way uh, the Hollywood, what presents around sex and what we, our own concepts is like going around with a cell phone battery. That's, that's dying. You know, if you've ever had a really bad cell phone battery and then yeah. you like get a new battery, you're like, Whoa, wait a second. Like you just kind of get used to it functioning that way. And it still works. And you think, you know, like you can do most of the things, but you get a new battery. Like it's like, Whoa, this is so much better. <laughs> I've been living with this. So, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> or like, you know, uh, going from 2G to 5G is, you know, like yeah, you, cool. you wait 10 minutes for a, a, a website to load versus instantaneous. Mm-hmm. You're like, what the hell have I been settling for? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. in your description of, of, living for the sake of the other person and loving for the sake of the other person, it really seems like that would bleed out into all the other aspects of your relationship because at the end of it, you didn't just physically have sex. What you did was you substantiated um, your true feelings about the other person, right? And Mm -hmm. so if you're substantiating selfishness, then you're showing how you really feel about the other person in substance, right? You say, I don't actually care about your needs that much. That's the substantial version of you because there's, 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 you can quantify it by like how much did you actually, you know, take care of that person during the act, right? Whereas when yeah. you love that person sincerely, then it's like they, they can really see beyond words, beyond anything. They can see, wow, this person really loves me because they're showing me it in in the most intimate possible way. Yeah. And you know, the other thing I think, which is fun going even deeper with this is that I think God designed it all to be easy for us. It wasn't supposed to be so complicated. (laughs) So this idea that actually, so this is where, yeah, again, going into this whole concept, what are the things we don't know? And I like this conversation of love. I don't know if people give comments or this later, but to hear because this is something I think we could explore, but I, so as I was studying, kind of thinking about preparing this talk, so I was going to give about heavenly sexuality. I also, you know, work and run my own business. And I came across um, a talk about money and power and knowledge and how those things, they don't come like sometimes you think in creativity, uh, So knowledge is like from our brain, right? But creativity, power, financial things, they actually come from the sexual organ region of your body. (laughs) And there's this whole, maybe you've heard of it, but there's all this whole idea that like you're, that's where creative ideas and things come from. And so that fascinated me because I thought, hey, you know, in the very beginning, (laughs) back to the first people, maybe this idea was that the way that you start this relationship with another person. And we, you know, as children growing up, we we learn about our own needs and you have to get used to how to take care of yourself. And then suddenly you're with another person and you still have to learn how to take care of them, how to really live live for them. And all those things we talked about, that joy, it doesn't necessarily come right away. Like maybe you've seen examples from your parents, but we'd still need to grow. And so I think that is actually like, sex was meant to be this tool naturally to help us to grow because it, you get creativity and you get power and from that sexual experience together. And then it would be this idea that, um, you know, you, you're in a relationship and you're trying to figure you, you're recognizing that you could love this person better, but you don't know how. And often what happens is that sex become, people don't have sex, right? Because, they're upset at each other. But if you have sex and through that, it helps you to be more loving and considerate and find. And that's where you get the idea of, oh, maybe she needs this or maybe he needs that. And you could do that the next day, like if you were really focused. So I felt that God made it as like 
it's an almost made it easy for us that the tool and the way that you practice that more and more is the best way to help you become parents where you've got to be completely taking care of this tiny being, you know? So I felt like God, you know, I always think of beautiful design, brilliant design, I think of, (laughs) and it's, it's that like, it wasn't supposed to be so complicated, but that we would learn by, by doing and what, and what, what's made it challenging is this exact point you talked about of our initial concepts around sex is that it's about me first. Um, instead of, if you just took that away, that it was never designed to be that way. It was always supposed to be a way to teach you about the other person first. And the more that you do it, the more that you have sex, the more selfless you become, the more serving you become naturally. It's like just a tool and it's something you could do every day. You know, you do is then you get even more and more and, it's exactly that tool that is what babies come from. And it all just makes sense. I hope it makes sense. In my head, it does. I don't know if I explained no, it well. Beautiful. But, I mean, yeah. that, uh, I think the things that would prevent a situation like that from arising of just for it to be so clear is, is, is just a bunch of weird emotions, right? Is a bunch of yeah. negative attachments and, and stuff which is again like a litmus test because I, I always felt like touching in general is a great litmus test to see your relationship with somebody because somebody mm. might be smiling when they see you. They might be able to like fake liking Smile. you, feign, feign liking you. But if you go in for a hug, you'll see how that person really feels, you know, by the sincerity of their hug. Yeah. Uh, and then it's all the more true with sexuality is like, you know, unless somebody is a master faker, unless they're, unless they're a trained liar, which most people are not, then mm-hmm. you, know, you, you get to see when you're approaching that person, uh, how they feel about you in that moment. And it's a good, it's a good place to address, uh, yeah. issues, right. But, and, and in the absence of physical intimacy, it's sometimes there's a lot of distance that occurs between hearts because you don't, you're not able to test and see where that person is at. Because personally, yeah. like my wife and I usually have so much more feeling of connection after sex, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like that distance. We, we didn't realize how distant we were until we come really close together. And then, and then we, and then we say, wow, wh- we were like, we were way off this past week. Right. So yeah. I like what you said that it, it's not a matter of, you know, necessarily waiting for the perfect circumstance, but sometimes uh, sexuality in and it's, it needs to occur for the other good stuff to happen afterwards. Right. Yeah. I think it helps us get inspiration or helps us figure out how to love each other more. Yeah. And that was also something Mark, Mark Grungar, he does like funny, how to laugh your way to better marriage. I remember there was one point he said about, about how sex kind of rubs off the edges you know, in the sure, day. You can kind of build up, you get frustrated by different things, just naturally living together. And you're, But it sort of softens that, you know. <laughs> uh, like, that I feel like this, there's a lot more credibility in the fact that you're a woman saying this, because I feel like that's something <laughs> a man would say, like, yeah, no, sex makes everything fine. Just do more of it, right? <laughs> but, you know, it, it's nice to hear that it can be validated by women. Yeah. Um, so what about any, any other really kind of egregious falsehoods or lies or, or misnomers about sex that one concept is around compatibility and that this 
often people say, you know, it's important to have sexual experience before you commit to someone because how do you know if you're compatible? How do you know if you'll continue to meet each other's needs? And it's still that concept of focus more underlying that we've been talking about of how, you know, that person's going to meet your needs or you'll fit together instead of focusing on this idea of, well, it's, if you're again, connected with sex and a committed marriage relationship, the goal that you really only need to become the expert at sex and pleasing your spouse. And I like to use that term expert because of this concept that who's an expert is someone who's specialized in making this other person happy like no one else can. Instead of this idea of expert at sex, someone who has multiple partners or different experience with a lot of people, they're really more focused on themselves or expert at self-gratification, right? But having that goal to an empowering sense of feeling like you can make this one person who, and again, it's talking in this context of a committed marriage relationship, uh, you make them happy in a way that no one else can because of the exclusivity of that relationship. And that's what brings, um, and it goes into everything we said of learning how to bring in excitement, compatibility, all those things, because you've got plenty of time to do that and not this pressure or comparing to other couples or Hollywood movies or wondering and this idea of like freedom, you know, this, I can be with whoever I want to be. Is this the right person? Sort of questioning commitment and really freedom is like the ultimate freedom and what sex really allows you to experience too, when it's knowing you're completely loved and accepted for who you are. And that takes time to build that in a relationship, mm-hmm. the sense that you don't need to impress, but you can just be you and to really experience unconditional love and making that the goal. This is a huge one. Okay. This is a really, it, it runs really, really deeply for a lot of people because yeah. we are brainwashed relentlessly to see that dating is really testing people out, looking for kind of the perfect person. And what you're suggesting is you kind of evolve into the right person. And, mm-hmm. and like what I just want to say that really struck me is that there to marry somebody because you guys are sexually compatible is such a weird, uh, I don't know, misunderstanding that, that you're going to stay the same because yeah. everything changes constantly. Your situation, so where you live, your health, everything changes over time. So you could never have the same sex twice, essentially, right? Mm. Uh, especially as, as the decades go on and that there's certain characteristics that are so much more important and that sexual compatibility is much more, do you have the right character traits to allow for continual sexual compatibility? Like, are you a, are you a more selfless person or selfish person? Are you a caring, are you a good listener? I think being a good listener would make you a, a better at sex when you're 50 than, you know, being being really in shape when you're 22, uh, but yeah, being a crappy totally. listener, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, in terms of like an investment, when you when you look at somebody as a portfolio, there's certain characteristics that look really appealing up front, like how they look, whether they like the same music as you and all that. You can basically flush it down the toilet within 10 <laughs> years of a marriage, mm-hmm. which is why marriages typically don't last even 10 years. Yeah. Um, and that's such a better way of looking at it that if you're, if you can 
line up with certain levels of, of commitment and compatibility, then the sex will find itself and you will find your groove together as a couple eventually rather than wanting the explosive excitement from the beginning and knowing that that's not sustainable because your environment's going to change. Yep. And I, and I think also this vulnerability aspect, I mean, maybe both for men, men and women, I would say, because that's part of sex is it's very vulnerable and people, even though we talked about ideally you shouldn't feel that need to perform or certain things, but that's what a lot of people are coming from or awareness and um, comparing. And I just say the key to a happy marriage is really commitment and com- and vulnerability combined together. This idea that you're showing, you see who you are and showing these aspects of yourself that you don't even necessarily like, but you want to grow and you're with someone because life's all about growing, but you're with someone who's with you no matter what. This idea that, okay, they see you, they let you grow, get over your things, you know, um, and we'll go through it together. And that allows for so much love to come in and, um, but it's, you know, vulnerability. I think there's a lot of talks on that, right? It's not necessarily easy either, but you both do that together. You know, that's the commitment part. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because as you, as you how how long have you been blessed and married? Uh, 11 years. 11 years. So yeah. <laughs> I, I was just thinking of the difference between kind of vulnerability and being your real, your, the real version of you versus mm. putting on a show and things like, you know, things like farting in front of your spouse, things like that. <laughs> they're like, a, they're a very real part of living, but it's not necessarily sexy. Right. And mm-hmm. then when you're putting on a show, you don't want to let that side of you be revealed because you're afraid that it's going to impact the sexy part. But whereas true sexuality is going through every gross and beautiful part of life with another person and still loving them and, and, and finding them sexually attractive in spite of, in spite of go, seeing them vomit or whatever, like the case yeah, totally when you're together with somebody, you see them go through everything physically, mentally, spiritually, and you still like can find them sexually attractive. That's, that's yeah. the thing. And, and you can't do that if it's a show because then you're always comparing them to this porn person over here who's, you know, just had plastic surgery or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, they, and, and you're seeing them for a few minutes of their life, but you're seeing this other person at, at, at like picking their nose, you know, <laughs> it's, it's totally different, but it's, it's, that's the reality versus the show, I guess. Yeah. And it's so true. And I feel like to get to that level is a, I remember for us, like, I feel like eight years, I can really mark this feeling. And that sounds like a long time. I mean, it is <laughs> of, of a rock solid, like, wow, our relationship is really solid because of all these things that we've gone through. And it's not yeah, easy, yeah. but, and despite that, we still love each other and growing and we hit like another like honeymoon phase, you know? And it really was like, it just, I mean, all I say, I say it to so many young couples. I work with a lot of young couples and, you know, just that's the commitment part. Like it's, it maybe doesn't sound so romantic, but really stick it out together and the joy, like what you can experience and that, that confidence. And, um, I mean, it's amazing. And to go through life with someone who's 
like you're you're going to face it all together, all the changes, all the unexpected things. And I also think, you know, it took us eight years, I feel, to get to that solid feeling point in our relationship. But I also think two years of those could have it could have been two years faster if I were to really think of things that because of Hollywood concepts, because of things that we were expecting of each other or a lot, a lot, me, maybe women do this expecting content. Um, I think I'm, I would say there's a more difficult one in a relationship. Maybe it's not true, but one who <laughs> makes things more complicated. I'm definitely that person. So, but I do, I could literally, like, I like to calculate things and I feel like, man, we could have got to that place six years earlier. Like Hollywood really messed with our heads two years of our relationship from that comparing or feeling of like, you know, we should be like this or we should be, you know, romance should look this way or love should look that way. Like, forget that. Just be your own couple, like create who you are. You're not going to be like anyone else. So um, we love, I mean, I think it's nice to have this, this concept of uh, role, mod- role models or aspiration or things to look up to. And I think it's beautiful to see couples like that, that you want to look up to and have a relationship like that at the same time, not too much to the extent of like, well, how can we take what inspires us about that and then make our own relationship, you know, really create something special and that's unique to us and be an inspiration. Cause that's what we're, we're all unique people and our relationship is unique. And to really embrace that, uh, that's part of where I think you get to a level of getting past the sense of feeling like you need to perform or focusing kind of on ourself. Right. So, yeah. It seems like, comparison is just the death of all good things because mm-hmm. you can never be that and you can never force somebody to be something that they're not. Um, yep. Yep. so it does seem like the more, so let's say porn that you watch, but also the more Hollywood version of romance that you consume, mm-hmm. the more that your template becomes fixated on wanting to squeeze yourself into that, which is not real because, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not real. It's, it's substantially, it's not, it's a fake, it's a movie. It's, it's, (laughs) you know, actually not actual reality. Um, But rather than doing, spending your life trying to squeeze into a template that is, is not even real, then to learn the skill set to, accept and love the reality that exists right in in that mm. person it's it's a it's kind of like the longer path they're both long but one is actually attainable you can actually attain love if you can learn how to accept another person but you can never attain joy by squeezing somebody into something that it'll never fit it'll never fit yeah yeah and there's this great song I came across today, but it's relevant. It's called like Big Love, Small Moments. JJ Hiller. We could look it up on YouTube, but, okay. and they have a cute video. It's about families. It's really, but it's just, there's some great lines in there about, you know, the big magic and the mundane and about love and about how a lot of what makes up that deep love is these um, small, mundane moments of just living with someone, you know, that really. And all the aspects of that. And yeah, I mean, it's funny because those are the things that stick, you remember. Yeah. And yeah, this idea of performing. And I feel it's hard to, um, it's on both sides, right? Like uh, we can only 
what we can give to our partners, really learning to accept them and um, be be grateful and loving for who they are. And that really lifts up. I feel like that's been in our relationship because we're from different countries too. You know, there's a lot there and you have that too with your wife. Of, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> ways that you misinterpret things that are, but just to appreciate the other, it's kind of the phase of, you know, you're different and accept and appreciate. And then you really come to love all those quirks. And I remember having kids too. Like when you see, uh, my husband thinks that used to do that annoy me. And then I see my sons do that. And it's just hilarious. how it's <laughs> genetic. <laughs> but it's like, that's all part of how we grow. And I like to say every day becoming an even more loving wife and even more loving mom, you know, that's the point yeah. of life. It's not also to get to, and that's what I wanted to say here too. Like we're talking a lot about the original, kind of idea or vision or thinking bigger and breaking past our concepts around sex. But the biggest thing is just to feel like every day is a chance to become a more loving person and focus more on the growth instead of getting hard on yourself of, yeah, I should do this better. And, or just, I like to say that a lot. <laughs> I say it as a mom, especially every day I'm becoming a better mom. And when I notice something where I could have reacted better, and it's the same with with my husband, you know, when I could react it better or this way, okay, I notice it. That's because I care and I want to do better next time. And so just, yeah, yeah. Focus on the joy of growing together. That helps take off that pressure and comparing. Cause sometimes we're just comparing with ourselves a lot, our past self or how our relationship was at one point or that, and don't need to do that either. (laughs) You know, that's still comparing, right? Yeah. It's just wasting time and energy on, focusing on something that you can't even fix, like, you know, Mm -hmm. dwelling on the past or lamenting the future or whatever. Uh, So I would like to know, Yuna, Yana, Yana. Yes, you did it. Great. (laughs) What advice, because you deal with young single people, but you also deal with married people a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. Starting with the single people, what, if, if they could focus on, the positives and building themselves up to be a really qualified um, candidate for marriage, you know, to be a qualified eligible bachelor or bachelorette, what, what could they be focusing their energy on? So I think for someone who, you know, wants to create and have a incredible marriage and relationship, sexual relationship is to get really clear about your vision and believing in it. Cause I think, Also, that's something in my own personal life. I was so stuck and upset at my parents for not showing that example. Like, man, it would be so much easier if I had an example to look up to of a good marriage. And I started thinking, no, wait, what, how can I create that? What do I want that to look like? And really concretely. And then even though I've always been driven by that vision, it really motivated me to choose a lifestyle of abstinence before marriage and committed choosing to be in a committed married relationship and you know then reality hits in your your vision and who you are but still it's important to think okay like I can I I value this idea of visualizing um that I can be better and keep growing and I think that helps so the more specific you can be about the incredible marriage you want to have and not just something like oh I don't want to have a marriage like my parents, or I want to have a marriage like in the movies. That's too vague. You got to get really, 
I want to be a person who can, you know, share and have these great soul conversations. Well, then think about, okay, are you that kind of person now? It helps to kind of look at your relationships currently and how those could improve in, in this preparation towards um, a marriage. But have a vision that helps kind of align what steps you want to take and also to be more introspective about who you are and in a, in a motivating way to grow to be an even more loving person. That's something we can already work on in our relationships and would help. And you can, there's lots of people you can talk to, too, about what makes, you know, a great husband or wife or learn to cook <laughs> to help out in the house. <laughs> I had to learn to cook. <laughs> what about for couples, like couples who you know, might not be doing as well as they could? Maybe one, maybe they're feeling disconnected, and they, after listening to you, feel like, "Wow, I, I want that kind of marriage where I'm, I'm more connected and where we're having this heavenly sex." Uh, do you have any advice for them? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing—a vision as a couple, but also to. To talk more, I think that's a gauge. I mean, talk more. I don't know if everyone likes to hear that, but um, one one of the best things we ever did was to just sit down and write, "I want and answer that question each," and then we gave it to the other person. So I was talking a lot about you know the needs, um, how we can be concerned of each other, and so we just sat down and wrote down you know all the things that we want more and. For me, it was a range of things. For my husband, it was mostly around sex. <laughs> and, but then we traded that with each other, the list. So we each kept the other person's list. And it was this was in one of our really rough times. Um, and after, I think it was after one or two of our children. And we it was like a little way we could signal to each other, um, I care about you. I love you. It's a little sign, you know, when we did one of the things that was on the list. And it's simple, but man, that helped so much just to make that bridge of connection like you're talking about uh, closer. And so you could make that list more specific about what you want in your relationship overall or in sexual relationship. But that's a step toward a vision. And also it's a very practical way of making that so that you know, you can help each other out and how you can love each other more or where you feel really loved and we, it was eye opening for us. And we we're like, we should have done this way earlier. So yeah. a tip is helpful. Yeah, I like it. I'm going to try it out with, with my wife. I like that idea. Yeah. Because it's, especially when you're both doing it, you spend time, uh, you know, you listen to music or whatever, and you go off and you, and then you write it down, then you kind of present it to each other. It's, it's very non-threatening. Whereas yes. when you just kind of ask for stuff point blank, it usually comes without context and it lands, it lands a lot heavier. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's so yeah. True. That's a great idea. Great idea. Thank you. Um, and is there any, anything that you want people to, to know about? Like, you know, when you, when you're leaving somebody and you love them and you just wish that you could impart, something to them that could just make their life less painful and more enjoyable? Do you have anything for people out there listening that you just wish that they could know about? Yeah. I, a lot of it all, I've talked about God a lot. It comes back to that, but really this, whatever that is that you're longing for deep down, 
you want that change or that vision of a relationship you want, or you feel like uh, you're so far from it, you want to be this way. It's just to know that deep down that God wants that exact thing for you. And I think it's the most, I would say the, the concept of faith, this idea that this universe, this world we live in is centered around this relationship of having a loving parent who happens to be the creator of the universe, but also cares about us personally and our, especially in this area of um, the sexual relationship in our marriage and really being fulfilled and happy couples. And just to know that you got, God's got your back. You've got this amazing creator on your side to help you and to feel empowered about you can make, you know, whatever, despite your past experiences or anything, you can make the life that you're longing for and living for. And you've got the hugest fan is the creator of the universe. Like God wants to do that with you. So just believe in your ability to be this incredible person. And you could do that, you know, we're divine beings. So that's what I always say to people. <laughs> that's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think that's really encouraging to a lot of people. And uh, where can people reach you if they have any questions henceforth? Oh, yeah. Um, well, actually, Facebook Messenger, I do that a lot. You can find me on Facebook, Yana Johnson. So not that many people have that name. Um, because I can see like face and name and question. Um, otherwise, I have my, as a blessing in family ministry, my email is why johnson at unification.org yeah perfect i just um i feel like there's a we could have gone on for a lot longer and i think we will and a later day we'll have a part two um if that's okay but yeah. i think there's a lot of a lot of great information that came out um and a lot for people to think about and i recommend going back and listening to this episode a few times because um everything that we want in life um, involves other people and it also involves ourselves. It's kind of, kind of like this in and out situation. And so to figure out how we fit in with ourselves and our own vision for ourselves. And, and I love, uh, her advice on, you know, also checking if you want a great marriage, look at how, how are your friendships going? How, how's it going with your parents? And if everything is a disaster, but you want a perfect marriage, you might, you might need to work on yourself a little bit more. So it's all very good information to wherever you're at, whether you are married or whether you're single, to kind of look at where you're at now and where you want to be. And if you need help along the way, that's what High Noon is here for. Go to our website if you want to read any more blogs. Uh, we have a 15-day challenge that's out there if you want to step up your game. And also you have Yuna here. Yuna here. Uh, to, to be on your side because she's really passionate about people and also about this topic. So thank you so much for joining us, Yuna. And, yeah. And thank um, you so much for what you do. I'm super inspired by you guys and I always feel happy. People have, I've met couples that have gone through high noon, different. Yeah. Just proud of you guys, <laughs> what you do and what yeah. you've accomplished and the impact you're bringing to so many. Thank so. you. We appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. So see you guys later. Say bye, Yuna. <laughs> bye. Hello, everybody. Andrew Love here for one last announcement, and that is I encourage you to join our newsletter. 
we don't spam people. We give you the goods. We give you good quality information once a week in your email. And so we send out newsletters probably Saturdays mid-morning on average. And these are filled with blogs, the latest content, everything you need to know in order to get through your week with high noon light. So let us light up your inbox. Join our newsletter by going to highnoon.org. It's all right there. It's super easy. We won't spam you. We just want to let you stay connected to this high noon providence. So go to highnoon.org and sign up for our newsletter.